beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. You know, I mean, like on Christmas Eve, I would always be at a friend's house for a gathering rather than being at an aunt and uncle's or grandparents' home. So I think that was part of it is nobody had extended family. And so friendships were, it was all you had in terms of relationships. So you had, you know, and I've placed a really high value on friendship my entire life because of that, because of growing up somewhere. And not that we weren't close to our family. We really were. We were very, very close to our grandparents growing up, even though we didn't see them very frequently. But I've always been this person who thought that, and still does, who thinks that my friendships are are on an equal level to family, not like somehow below it. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. In celebration of the launch of my new book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, we are continuing my Friendship Stories series. As a reminder, last year when I was writing The Life Council, I did dozens of interviews as part of my research with people who had unique friendship stories. I'm featuring some of these stories here on the podcast to highlight all the different perspectives we can have around friendship, which is one of the main messages of the Life Council. Today, we're going to hear about a very unique childhood experience and the equally unique friendships it fostered. My guest, Cami, grew up on a two-square-mile remote island where friendships were very important because they were everything. 
People couldn't visit the island, and residents only went back to the States once a year. There was no real phone reception or television service on the island either. So as a result, friends became family. And the uniqueness of that growing up experience was incredibly bonding for those who lived there. There's a section in my upcoming book, The Live Council, that's called The Battle Buddy. And it is a chapter about friendships that are forged in a shared experience. Cammie's story is a great example of this on the positive side, as opposed to sometimes we think of our battle buddies as going through something with us really hard. This was something really special. The Life Council is out now and covers a wide range of friends and friendship issues. It is available in hardcover, paperback, ebook, or audiobook read by me. Pick up The Life Council at your favorite retailer and learn more by going to thelifecouncilbook.com. I'll let my guest start by introducing herself. Hi, my name is Cammie Miner. I live in Olympia, Washington. I grew up overseas, but I've lived in the States now since I was 19. Okay, and you wrote me a little bit about growing up and what your early childhood was like. I'd love to hear more about that. So just start at the beginning. Okay, so my parents, when I was two, moved from Alaska to Kwajalein in the Marshall Islands. So Kwajalein is in the Republic of the Marshall Islands, and it is a teeny, tiny, tiny little island, like under two square miles. And it sits between Hawaii, Japan, and Australia, right above the equator. So it's a crazy remote, it's an army base, but it's civilian contracted. So I lived there for 17 years. Okay. So that's why your parents moved there, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two square miles is <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny little tropical island. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that like? Like, did you have, like, what was your friendship community even like? Well, how many people were there? Well, when I lived there, there would usually be between three to 5,000 people on the island at any time. And so it was very much a small town, very small town, but I don't know. It's, it's so hard to describe. It's this very unique. So it's summer all the time, beautiful beaches, crystal, crystal clear, warm water, but very Western in that everybody who lived on the island was virtually all of us were United States citizens. And so our parents, I mean, I was a kid, obviously, all had jobs that took us, took them there. And they all had contracts. So some people would go for two years, some people would go for four years, some people would be there. I was there 17. People came back and forth. They liked it so much, they'd go back to the States and come back. And it's a big defensive contract. So Missiles that are developed by the U.S. are tested out of Vandenberg in California and um, shot into the Kwajalein Lagoon. So that's what it is, is a missile testing and tracking station. And every once in a while, it'll pop up in the news if there's been some successful test mimicking something from North Korea or something like that. (laughs) It's a really crazy place to live, but it didn't seem odd when we were young. (laughs) It was just Small school, one grocery store, one little store, everybody rode bikes. (laughs) So, And it had to have been complicated to get there. I mean, obviously people would fly, I suppose, but it's far. Like what you're describing seems far. Yeah. Yeah. Hawaii is halfway from the West coast of the U.S. 
it is, it's, it is complicated. When I lived there, the entire time I lived there until the last year I was there, well, the last year my parents were there, I was in college, no visitors. So nobody in our extended family ever went to Kwajalein, not my grandparents. My grandmother finally went the last year my parents lived there. The top secret clearance was lifted a little bit and my grandmother got to visit. But I think one of the reasons why friendships were so important and so special and so unique and have endured for 50 years for some of us is because we live so remote. There wasn't very reliable, not, not reliable, there wasn't a lot of access to telephone service. So you couldn't call your family in the States with any kind of regularity. You would have only called for an emergency or, or something really special. And, you know, you didn't see your families for holidays, birthdays, none of that. Most of us went to the States once a year for maybe a month or two in the summer. So like your friendships were, I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say that, but that's all you had. They were, everybody was family. Well, did you have like television access and stuff? No, Mm -mm. we got armed forces television when I was in high school, maybe a junior in high school. We had some kind of bootleg television services that they ran on one of the islands where the natives live. But my entire childhood, no, no TV. So you didn't have much pop culture references that was like informing your childhood, Um, I feel like. No, not so much. Although we, like I said, we went back and forth to Honolulu with some regularity and we would have new people coming all the time. So virtually every year there would be people in your, from our school who left and moved back to the States and new people who came from the States. So you always had that influx of, Mm. and we had a radio station. (laughs) So, I mean, we had music, but yeah, not, not so much in terms of fashion, not so much, you know, because also it's 88 degrees and hundred percent humidity every day. You don't wear anything except cut off some flip-flops. That's it. You know? <laughs> was there, was it a traditional school situation? It was, it was actually a really great school situation. So the people who work there, the people who are, who are doing all of this top secret missile stuff are literal rocket scientists, right? Like, you know, the expression, it doesn't take rocket science on quad, it does take rocket science. <laughs> and you don't get those people to leave their cushy MIT lives to go somewhere where their kids can't go to a good school. Mm -hmm. So we had a really great, very collegiate bound kind of high school, very um, advanced classes and things like that, because otherwise they couldn't get the people that they needed to do those jobs to be there. Right. Right. Yeah. And so what did that mean for, like, tell me a little bit about your friendships. Did you have like, even though I understand some people were coming and going and you were really there for a long time, but did you have like a best friend? Was it more of a group thing? I think what I, what I wrote into you about that's so unique is that we all, everybody who lived there in the years that we were there and beyond, we, we are in such close contact and social media is such a huge part of that. We all got invested in like the Facebook world very early because we all had had this unique experience of living in this very unique very, very wonderful place. Like we, I mean, you think like I'm 59 years old. So it's been a long time since I graduated from high school in Quad in 1980. And, and I am still in very close contact with friends and people that I was friends with there. And some of them would have been there for like two years. 
maybe when we were in high school or junior high for two years. I'm still in close contact with my best childhood friend. She left when we were in the sixth grade. But it's, I think it's because of this connection we have over living in this place that was so, so different and so remote that we all loved it. Uh, it I mean, almost, I, I can't imagine now what people must have thought moving there because I moved there when I was two. But like you, you move there and you fly into this place and the, most of the island is runway. And you think, well, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> how, have I, how am I here? But but people loved it. It was such a unique way of life. You know, we spent our whole lives at the beach, boating, fishing, sports all year round. It's hard to imagine that you could find enough to do it someplace that small, no privately owned vehicles. Everybody rode bicycles. There were cars on the island, but not not owned by families or driven by families. Everybody rode their bike. There was, oh, it was only bike traffic, especially after everybody went back to, you know, turn their cars in at five o'clock and went home. But, but our friendships were, were sort of beyond just our group. So we always had, you know, I mean, we're typical high school students and middle school students and elementary school students. You have your best friends and you have your group, but you knew all of your siblings, friends, and families. You knew all of the kids, two or three or four classes ahead of you and all, all the ones, two or three or four classes behind you. I graduated from high school with just 32 of us, I think, but we all, I, it's, it's crazy on, on like Facebook, we have group after group after group of quad quit kids, quad friends, quad pictures, quad this, quad that. <laughs> and, and even if we didn't know each other well, when we lived there, or even if we lived there in different, different years, everybody feels connected because of the experience. So tell me what you think that it was that was connecting you about the experience. Was it like the remoteness? Was it the size? Everybody knows everybody. Was it, I'm also hearing a little bit of like, it was probably similar types of families if you're contracted to work there. Like, what do you think was really binding you the most? I have to acknowledge the remoteness that you, you know, you really left whatever life you had for most of us, it was in the States behind because just because of physically where we were, but also it was this, this just little kind of make-believe world where you were so safe. I mean, we were, we were so completely safe. We were out there swimming in the ocean. Our parents were not worried that we were going to get attacked by a shark or that we were going to drown. (laughs) I mean, like which were all feasible. <laughs> and so we had just this complete freedom that I don't know, even, even that many years ago would have been duplicated in the States. I returned in 2017 and my husband and my three daughters went with me. And I think for the first time in all of their lives, they felt like they understood me. They were so funny. They, they loved it. And they said, okay, this makes sense. This is why you are the way you are is because you grew up here because you grew up in this place that's, that's just so different from anything, you know, we could imagine living in. And so I think some of it was just that you're living in a place that nobody's ever heard of, you know, so you go back to the States, nobody knows where you live. Nobody understands what it's like. So the only people who really get it are your, are your friends who live 
or lived on the island. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's sort of just this connection point of having this unique experience of, of growing up somewhere that nobody else has ever been. It, you can't, like even today, you can't get on a plane and go there. You know, the only way I could go was to have a sponsor and they get permission from the army for me to come. So, so the only way you go is if you know somebody who lives there is who's willing to have you. So I, I think it's this, this feeling of having something really, really unique. Mm-hmm. Tell me how it felt when you went to college and you left the island. Like, how did you feel like making friends was a whole different ball of wax? Well, I think the one thing about living on Quaj on Kwajalein was that you got good at making friends because your best friend's dad might have a contract that expired in two years and they're gone. I have some friends who were my friends all the way from elementary school through. I have other friends who were my friends for one or two years while they lived there. So going, I, I think we all got good at making friends, really good at making friends because there was a lot of turnover. And so you just, you either, for the kids who moved out there and only there for two years, they needed to make friends fast. So they, they were used to it. But yeah, I mean, going back to the States, I think it was just hard to, not hard to make friends, but hard to feel, sometimes hard to feel like I had a lot in common with them, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. And then how has it informed your adulthood? Because you sort of mentioned that your family was like, oh, this is why you are the way you are. <laughs> well, like, how are you that makes you walk through the world as an adult? Well, you my know, kids do you- say that I'm will, that I, that I talk to everybody that I'm, I'm really an introvert, but I, I'm, I really exhibit very extroverted behavior. And so they say, you're always, you will talk to anybody. You'll just talk to anybody on the street. You'll say hi to people. You'll strike up a conversation with somebody in line. And then when they went to the islands, they're like, oh, because everybody talks to everybody here because everybody knows each other, or they think they know each other because they live in this really small space, you know, so that they, they felt like that made sense. They also say that the reason I can't find my way anywhere is because I never had to find my way anywhere because I live somewhere where you would never get lost. (laughs) And just, I think I, my whole life, I've, I've loved my memories of, of living there. And like I said, I'm, you know, the hundreds of people that I'm friends that I was friends with over the years all feel the same way. Like we all feel like we just had this, this kind of mystical experience of living somewhere. So I, I, I mean, beautiful is the wrong word. Cause it's not like Hawaii beautiful. I mean, the water is the water and all of the coral life and all of that is, but the Island itself, they're coral atolls. So they're not like lushly vegetative or beautiful flowers or things like that. But the beaches and the water are so, I I mean, like when we were kids, there's no way we would have swam in Hawaii. We just thought, why would you waste your time in Hawaii swimming? Like the water's crap, you know? (laughs) I do not feel that way anymore. Um, Did you have siblings growing up? Yeah, I have two younger brothers. 
It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com, and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code you y-o-u and did they do they hold it in the same regard that you do yeah yeah they both do they were both born there and they are yeah exactly the same and and I think that's what when I was talking about friendship like all of my friends all of their siblings their parents the whole community was really close like we would be very close to our friends parents because our friends' parents were going to be the ones who were going to be at our birthday party, not aunt and uncle so-and-so, you know? And so, and we also, because we had a pretty significant Hawaiian population, if you've ever spent time with that culture where your parents' very good friends are your aunts and uncles, Kwajalein was very much like that. So my dad was a fire chief and his assistant chiefs were all of all our uncles. And And so you really felt that way about your friends' families too. You know, I mean, like on Christmas Eve, I would always be at a friend's house for a gathering rather than being at an aunt and uncle's or grandparents' home. So I think that was part of it is nobody had extended family. And so friendships were, 
it was all you had in terms of relationships. So you had, you know, and I've placed a really high value on friendship my entire life because of that, because of growing up somewhere. And not that we weren't close to our family. We really were. We were very, very close to our grandparents growing up, even though we didn't see them very frequently. But I've always been this person who thought that, and still does, who thinks that my friendships are, are on an equal level to family, not like somehow below it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why. Do you think that has affected or come into how you parent? Because, you know, as a parent, you have like kids with like friend drama and like all this. Well, stateside, of course, you can you could advise that you try a different friend group or you can, you know, all these different things. But in your situation, you that might not have been your mindset. Do you, so do you think that has come into your parenting? You know, Laura, I have never, ever, ever thought of that till you just said that. Really, truly. And I'm a lot older than you. But yes, because I always, always have just told my friend, my daughters, and you know, I have three daughters, and they're all in their 20s. But it's always like, you've got to really hold fast to these friendships. Don't walk away from them. Don't let it go. Work hard at it. You know, I've always stressed that. And I think you're right. I mean, I do think that that may be I I truly have never thought of that, but I think, I think it does. I think it's made me look at placing a value on there that might, I think, I just think you're right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's different if you're raised in a big city where like there's many friend fish in the sea, like you, you don't have to necessarily stick with it, but in yours, Mm -hmm. you had to learn like conflict resolution, (laughs) you know, figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With the groups that you're like Facebook groups and stuff that the people who've all kept in touch uh-huh. from the Island, how did that play out during the pandemic or did it affect it at all? Because you're already long distance. I'm sort of looking that as, because I'm looking at how different groups have been affected by the pandemic and like, you know, further divide in the country and like, but then also the other side of people thinking, oh, I'm going to reevaluate who matters to me or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the pandemic has just brought up like everything, you know, <laughs> yeah. if that affected those groups. And, and I don't mean, I don't mean for this question to be politically. I mean, just like, uh, yeah, you see what I'm saying? I think it's been a comfort in the pandemic because I, I feel like my my friendships that are very dependent on physical presence have, we have had a hard time during the pandemic. And even now as things loosen up and people are getting back into their lives, I've found that I have a group of very close, like mom friends still, even though our kids, I mean, my youngest is going to turn 21 next month and, and we're still, the parents are, I think more connected than the kids anymore (laughs) because our kids live all over. But even now when we all feel safer meeting in person and doing things in person, it's become so hard to get together. It's just, and I don't, I don't exactly know why, but it, it's very different post, you know, in 2022 than it was in 2019. So I can only have the pandemic to blame it on, but my friendships, these, my friendships with my old friends, because they're virtual, they're all online. And because we don't see each other frequently at all, we're a real source of comfort. Like they felt just the same you know, because it was so much of it was social media based or texting based 
my best friends from quad one lives in ventura one lives in florida one lives in australia and they live all over the country and all over the world and so i don't see them i you know if i would see any of them once every few years it would be that it would be wonderful but because we don't see each other our friendship really didn't change and so it was really comforting to me to still have that that connection to all of them that wasn't depending on dependent on us physically seeing each other. Do you see their faces? Do you FaceTime and stuff? Or is it primarily like over screens? It's primarily over screens. You know, it's interesting thinking that you grew up without like the opposite. (laughs) I I know, but it's really, it's the only way we all have, like I said, there's no, there's no physical place for us to go back to when we have a reunion, it, we would, we haven't had one for several years now, but it, it's just wherever somebody, where there happens to be a group of quad kids who want to host it. So we have big groups of quad kids who live on the East coast where all the big defense contractors reside, Florida, Alabama, California, we would tent Hawaii. So wait, because they followed in their parents' footsteps or because they ended up living there and settling there later? Mostly because that's where they moved from. So if, oh, right. um, you know, so if, if you had lived in, we have a lot of people from Massachusetts and New Jersey. So if you had lived there and you moved out to Quadge and you lived on Quadge for several years, most kids tended to go to college back where they had residency. Yeah, so they would it. go back to the state they had lived in and, you know, lots of them stayed there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What brought you to where you are in your life? Like well, what happened parents, after you left the island? Basically the same kind of thing. My parents were both from Washington state. And so when I, when it was time for me to go to college, my, my choices for somewhere where I could claim residency were Washington or Hawaii. And I decided to go to Washington. And then my father passed away after my first year of college. So my family moved back to Washington and we've been here in the rain ever since. <laughs> he died on the island? He died in the States, but he had cancer. And so he'd been very sick and came back to the States at the very end of his life. But my family was still living there. My mom and my brothers were still living on Quad when he passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's but it and and see that's the other challenge. So like if because it was my dad's job that qualified us to be there, when my dad passed away, my family had to move. Right. Yeah. So. Wow. So my my mom hadn't lived in the states for 17 years. My brothers had never lived in the states, and they moved back. Yeah. So that would have been a pretty big cultural change for everybody. Yeah, for the whole family. <laughs> Yeah, they just you followed don't... me. They ju- they just moved to the town I went to college in. <laughs> just wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is absolutely fascinating. I've never heard anything <laughs> like this. You know, it's like anything. It's like any equivalent would be summer camp on steroids, or like yeah, yeah, a cult. I mean, I, yeah, I don't. But <laughs> there you know, might be a little bit of all. If, if we are kind of cult like. We are kind of felt like we have our own little language. And, you know, for a while, Kwajalein was declared a camp by the army. So there you go. Summer camp. It was a camp. <laughs> but years. it's so is it still a base? Like what yes. you visited a few years ago was uh-huh. the base? Yeah. OK. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's I'm a- learning something. I've learned so much from this one. So good. 
It's just, it's just a weird take. I mean, I have lots of wonderful individual friendships from there too, but I think what has stuck with me over the years is this kind of collective hive mentality we have for people who live there who want to still feel connected to the place and the people. And so the way we, most of us do that is right now is social media. So it's one of the real positives in my life for social media. I can sometimes get really frustrated with it, but, but like people talk about leaving Facebook. I could never do it because that's where so many of my quad connections are is over Facebook. So even though sometimes that as a entity can drive me crazy, I couldn't just drop off of it because of that. It would, I would feel really lonely without that connection to those people. So. Yeah, I really get that. I really do. I loved hearing about Cammie's experience on that remote island and the friendships that she found there. Wasn't that so cool? This episode was part of my series called Friendship Stories. I conducted dozens of interviews, hours of audio, talking to women about their friendships as part of my research for my new book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, which is out now. The Life Council is available in your favorite form, hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, wherever you buy books. Go to thelifecouncilbook.com to learn more. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.